Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi, welcome back. This is going to be for John chapter 4. First of all, Jesus returns to Galilee. Verse 1, When therefore the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made him baptize more disciples than John, they sought more diligently some means that they might put him to death, for many received John as a prophet, but they believed not on Jesus. Now the Lord knew this, though he himself baptized not so many as his disciples, for he suffered them for an example, preferring one another. In other words, Jesus uh, confers the priesthood on his disciples so that they could perform baptisms. Elder McConkie said, contrary to the false teachings and traditions of sectarianism, Jesus personally performed water baptisms so that in all things he might be the great exemplar. Without question, he also performed all other ordinances essential to salvation and exaltation. There's a little hidden message there, isn't there? Verse 3, And he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Since the Pharisees wanted to put Jesus to death, he left and went into Galilee. In Matthew 4, it mentions, Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. Remember, I mentioned that it was between these two chapters that John is put into prison, so now uh, now we're at that point. Mark chapter 1 says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And then in Luke chapter 4, it says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. Now, the next part is going to be about the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. Uh, Lots of uh, important information in this part. Verse 4, And said unto his disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. This was a most dangerous route at the time. His purpose in going was to preach to the Samaritans. Verse 5, Then he cometh to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground which Jacob gave to his son Joseph, the place where Jacob's well was, Now Jesus, being weary with his journey, being about the sixth hour, or noon, sat down on the well. The well is about seven or eight feet in diameter and about 150 feet deep. Not far from here was where Joseph was laid to rest. Water from the well was usually drawn either in the early morning or evening. It is significant that the woman came at noon during the heat of the day when no one else would have been present at the well. This timing emphasizes her despised and outcast position. She is obviously hoping to avoid the disdain of others. Verse 7, And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. Now his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Wherefore he being alone, the woman of Samaria said unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, who am a woman of Samaria? The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Elder Talmadge said, To the Orthodox Jew of the time, a Samaritan was more unclean than a Gentile of any other nationality. Talking with the Samaritan woman showed that he is the Savior of all mankind. Watch for the gradual development of of a testimony that she has. She first is humble. She first considers Jesus as just a man, then a Jew, a prophet, and the Messiah. So there's a gradual process here of her conversion. Notice it as we go through these. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, 
If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Keep in mind, too, that because the disciples are all gone, that Jesus and the woman are alone, so Jesus must have related this to John for him to have written it. Verse 11, The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Because she lived an adulterous life, she was not able to understand things by the Spirit. Verse 12, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? In fact, yes, he is. She wants to know more. She's asking questions, and that's what every student, or every teacher hopes from his students, is that they'll ask questions. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever shall drink of this water, or this well, shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water which I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me of this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She believes his words, but doesn't fully understand them. Why didn't the woman understand what Jesus was saying? She was thinking of earthly things while Jesus was speaking of spiritual things. Do we often misunderstand lessons or talks we hear at church or in conference because we are thinking of earthly things and not spiritual things? Verse 16, Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou truly. The woman said, saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. She begins to understand who Jesus is. Now she considers Jesus to be a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. There will be other places also to worship later on. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. He's foretelling the destruction of Jerusalem. The old order is changing. A new covenant is arising. A new gospel. The temples of the future are the bodies of the saints. And the sacrifices of the future are a broken heart and a contrite spirit. The true believers of the future shall worship in all places and at all times, not just when sacrificial fires burn on Gerizim and in Jerusalem. That was by Brother McConkie. Verse 22, Ye worship ye know not what. Ye know what we know what we worship, and salvation is of the Jews. The Messiah would come through the Jews. Jesus is saying that the Samaritans did not have the true religion. What other time did Jesus say that the true church was on the earth to Joseph Smith, or that it was not on the earth? Verse 23, And the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. For unto such hath God promised his spirit, and they who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, who is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I, who speak unto thee, am the Messiah. The term I am used here in the Greek is identical with the Septuagint usage in Exodus 3.14, which identifies Jehovah. This is the first recorded occurrence of Jesus declaring that he is the Messiah. Verse 27, And upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou unto her, or with her? His disciples marveled that he spoke to the woman, a conversation that he initiated, for it violated the customs of the day for a rabbi to speak in public with a woman, to say nothing of a Samaritan woman, and least of all, a woman of easy virtue. Yet there, there, 
Yet their reserve was such and his command of the, situ- of the situation so complete that none dared question him. Again, that was by Bruce Armaconkey. Verse 28, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city, leaving her water pot was symbolic of leaving behind her old life and repenting. And saith to the man, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever have done that that I have ever done is not this the Christ. She now knows that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and wants others to know. Verse thirty they then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meantime his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him meat to eat? Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. The spreading of the gospel becomes the all-consuming passion of those so sent. It takes all their strength. It embraces every waking word and thought. Those so-called are expected to serve with all their hearts, might, mind, and strength. That was by Bruce Armaconkey again. Verse 35, Say not ye, there are yet there are yet four months, then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are all, they are white already to harvest. Since there's about four months before the harvest, this is probably a December or January. The harvest for barley uh, is in, in Palestine is done in April or May. Verse 36, And he who reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he who soweth, the missionary who plants the seed, and he who reapeth, the missionary who baptizes after conversion, has occurred, may, re- may rejoice together. Blessings flowing from ministerial service accrue first to the minister sent forth to harvest the souls of his brethren, and then to the receptive persons who heed his testimony. Sometimes missionaries may not know that the seeds that they have planted have resulted in conversion, uh, but that might be something for the next life to find out. Verse 37, And herein is that saying true, One soweth, and another reapeth. I have sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. The prophets have labored, and ye have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, who testified, He told me all that ever I have ever done. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying. We have heard for ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Elder McConkie says, Truly the gospel was preached in Samaria. Seeds were sown and a harvest reaped, and at a later date, apostles in seventies and other missionaries would yet reap in the same fields Jesus or I'm sorry, in the same fields. Jesus stayed there lasted Jesus' stay there lasted only a few days, but the results of his ministry shall endure to all generations. And we cannot but hope that the woman who first met him at the well of the ancient patriarch was among those who forsook the world, had their sins washed away in the waters of baptism, kept the commandments thereafter, and received an eternal inheritance with the saved and exalted of all ages. Jesus goes again into Galilee, verse 43. Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. About one year has gone by since he started his mission. For Jesus, test, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then when he had come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things which he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. Now the next part is the nobleman's son being healed. So Jesus came again into, Gal- into Cana of Galilee, the place where he turned water into wine. This may have been the home of Nathaniel.
where he made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman, an officer in the court of Herod Antipas, whose son was sick at Capernaum. This is about 20 miles away. Then he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee. He went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at, that po- he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. He is saying, Do you not know that it is written of me, he sent his word and healed them? The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down before my child die. The nobleman persisted, showing his faith in Jesus. Our prayers must be persistent. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word which Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. There are actually two miracles here. First, the absent boy was healed, and the present father's unbelief was cured. The greater miracle of the two... Jesus was 25 miles away from the boy, though he healed him. Though he is not physically near to us, he still heals us from a distance. Verse 51, And as we now, and as he was now going down to his house, he did not hurry home, because he knew his son was healed. His servants met him, and spake, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend, and they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, or at one p.m., the fever left him. So the father knew that his son was healed the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth in himself, believed in, in his whole house. This being the second miracle which Jesus had done when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. So that's the end of the chapter, and we'll see you next time. Bye.